la Iglesia Spring of Life Fellowship y su pastor Joaquín Molina le invita a escuchar un mensaje de restauración y fortaleza para su vida. Sea parte de la visión Cambiando el Mundo. Father, we thank you for what we have just seen and we ask you that this would become a transformation in our hearts and in our relationships with you and with others so that we can transform nations, change the world, O oh God, by the provisions that took place in this account in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And Father, as we also come to the well that never runs dry and are satisfied and our thirst has been quenched beyond our dreams, that we also might be a reflection of that reality and take this water and offer it to others. For the harvest is much and few are the laborers, Lord. Allow us to walk in the way that brings joy to your heart and that we might be found faithful to that which you've entrusted us. We pray in Jesus' name that your word would prosper in our hearts and in our lives and that we would be ready in season and out of season to proclaim your goodness, O oh God, and that our ministry might be as fruitful as this Samaritan woman's ministry, that it would be a sincere witness of the authenticity of Christ in our lives and prosper this word in our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. amen. This account of the Samaritan woman uh, coming across the life of Christ is something that breaks every religious paradigm for it was well known that Jewish people were not to be in contact with Samaritan because they were at some grade compromised in their living according to the word of God. In other words, if you were a real chosen person, if you were a real Christian, you would live in Jerusalem and you would be living the life God has. But these Samaritans were marginalized mostly because they had married people of other faith and not kept in the lineage of God. So here we see that Christ leaves the traditions of the Jewish faith to go to uh, levels that far surprised everybody involved. And, and I always am surprised how quick we as Christians get past the fact that we were just as bad as the Samaritan woman and then we keep other people out of having this experience. But I, I, I want to start with the premise that uh, God is on a rescue plan. And so we've called this message a world-changing rescue. And a world-changing rescue means that God is in the operative uh, format of saving those who cannot save themselves and are perishing in this world. Um, Paul is, is doing it from the vantage point of being the worst of all sinners. So whenever he approaches someone, there is no competition because that person, uh, the Lord can really save them if he has saved Paul. And so I feel somewhat the same way. There is no condition of man, um, saved or otherwise, because sometimes we believe that once they're saved, um, if they backslide, then there's no salvation. Uh, you know, but I believe that God still works in people's lives when they backslide. How many say amen? amen? 
and that God is still doing things with an utmost pure heart, desiring that they would return like a prodigal who, um, who is far from his purpose. Uh, he portrays himself as the father that runs towards him, not away from him. So the, the, it's powerful that we would break these religious paradigms of not... Uh, being on that team that is interested in saving and saving all the more those of us that are serving God and appearing to be doing the things that please him, let us not grow blind of the fact that he needs to perfect us more, that, that our, our salvation is uh, from glory to glory and, and God from victory to victory and God is doing greater works. And I, I want... Uh, even as yesterday we, we drove up to Orlando, um, and yesterday we were in Orlando, and uh, we were with Larry Stockstill, and, and, and he made an altar call. It was all pastors. So what, what do you do at an altar call when everybody's a pastor? Do you know what you do? You go to the front, my friend, because you need to repent. You need to get right with God. And I made sure I was the first one there saying, God, perfect me. Continue the work that you started a long time ago because there's yet a lot to do to get me where you're calling me. And so uh, early on in my Christian walk, uh, I was at the altar all the time. I was conducting business with God. God was talking to me and I was responding. God talked to me and I responded. And so even as yesterday, Larry Stockstill was talking about things, I said, I need, I need to continue pushing forward in the work of God that he's doing in my heart because I know that I can feel comfortable with myself but I need God uh, and I need myself to acknowledge the need to go deeper in perfection in, uh, in, in addressing many, many areas in my life that God in his mercy is continued to work in. So he's on a rescue mission. I have already professed that I am a needy one, I am a fallen one, I am one that, that is just a object of his grace. How many could say amen? amen? And I love to sing amazing grace. How, how, how amazing this grace that saved a wretch like me when I was blind, when I, when I, I was lost, he found me. And so in that, in that regards, it's powerful that we would allow the grace of God to continue to perfect our hearts. Now, what do we do when we run across an incident like the Samaritan woman, or even worse, because people would feel somewhat, somewhat, I don't know why, you guys decide why, women get like everybody feels sorry. It's like, this is a woman, and she's been in five relationships, and she deserves another chance, and everybody says, oh, okay, okay. But what, what happens uh, when you come across uh, Luke chapter 19, and in verse 1, that Jesus, again, is going through Jericho, and he's passing through it, and there's a little man named Zacchaeus. In verse 2, as Jesus is going through this city, there was a man named Zacchaeus. We don't like his name already. And we don't like his profession. He's a chief tax collector. If, if this doesn't bother you already, it bothers me. And, and we think that chief tax collectors don't deserve mercy or grace. And they are outcasts of society. And if you want to make it worse than the fact that he was a man and he, was, uh, he had a name like Zacchaeus and that he's a chief tax collector, uh, the 
adjective, he was rich, that's it. That's, that got me upset. Now, 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 really, he deserves no mercy, and he deserves no, no sorry feelings. I mean, the guy has a lot of money. So why would we feel sorry for a guy with a lot of money? And so here, the description is perfect because um, this man, it describes in verse 3 that he was trying to see Jesus. Now, you, could, you can come along with all sorts of why people um, answer why he was trying to see Jesus. His schedule is too busy. Uh, the obvious, he was small in stature. Um, uh, he had so much money. He was occupied, counting it, uh, finding out how he would steal some more. But he could not, uh, on the account of the crowd uh, that was surrounding that incident. So look at, look at all the dynamics here. We have a short-statured man. He's probably short in character as well as stature. That's why he's putting his confidence in what he has and not who he is. Just a whole onslaught of things. But the ultimate is true. He's being kept away from Christ. And he cannot see clearly because of the crowd. And I'm thinking about the people that constantly come into the house of God. And they're trying to get a good glance and glimpse for why we're doing what we're doing. And, and we're all here. Um, and it's real interesting because uh, we will notice pretty soon through this word, this message, that there's all sorts of incentives as to why people even draw near to the Lord. Uh, the majority we know are those people that are in need of something. So as soon as their needs are met, we never see them again. And they, they go on their merry way. Um, and there is no connection. But for whatever the case may be, um, look at, there's two things. Look at yourself as a Zacchaeus who's trying to posture yourself to find out how you can see Jesus. One of the things that makes it difficult for people, and we've said this many times, is a lot of people feel, I don't want to be looked down upon by these Christians. If I were to go to an altar call when the pastor is talking about you double-minded, counterfeit, phony, you donkey, and, and you're not going to come to that altar call. You're not going to say, I'm the donkey there in Pinocchio, that was me, and I want to change. Okay, so there's all sorts of things that are taking place in people's lives. We know the ultimate, what the Lord wants. We know what the Lord wants, and he wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of his embrace and his goodness. We talked about it a couple of uh, services ago when we talked about uh, a world-changing covering, uh, righteousness, that God wants to... Uh, um, dress us and adorn us with robes of righteousness. And, and I, I want you to tell your neighbor right now, I see you with the finished work of Christ. Go ahead and tell him. I mean, right now, you're nothing close. But I see the finished work, and I, I have the confidence that you're a man of God. Go ahead and tell your neighbor that. You're a woman of God. You, 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 you are a prince. Um, I had a young man come up to me on Sunday. He says, hey, pastor, you believe that Moses was the prince of Egypt? You believe that? Do you guys believe that? I go, yeah, we believe that. We believe that. We believe that we are the answer to this generation's scenarios. We're just a, a work in progress, and we're pressing into this. And guys, everything, all things work out for good. For good. 
I've seen this more clearly in the last couple of weeks and days that the oppositions in my life, like a, like a worm breaking out of a cocoon, I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly. I'm, I, I'm destined to fly in the purposes of God. Yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, I'm breaking out. Yeah, my wings are all crumpled up. and so. But, but I believe in what God's redemptive work is for my life, for my children, for my family, and, and, and for the ends of the earth. Because I, I really believe that the grace of God is sufficient for all men. See, Jesus didn't die for a select few. I sound like Obama right now. But listen to me. <laughs> God is into redeeming mankind because this, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so all that has to go down the gutter, ghetto, and down to hell. And we, my friend, are the objects of God's grace and the bastion of his love. I understand this. When God has to tell us two things, ready? He says, love God and love others. What were we created for? Love, man. Tell your neighbor, I'm in love. I'm a love machine. I'm a love machine. God loves me, and I'm to love others, and I'm not going to stop until the expression, listen to me, the full expression of his love. And that has been stolen from us, and we've become perverted. And we become selfish. And even when we say we're a love machine, uh, the sexual connotation comes all over us. Guess what? No. It's a pure love. It's a love that gives us life. It's, it's a love that, that goes a second mile, a third mile. A love that gets slapped, abused, spit on, and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And so that is the character and the spirit of God. And I want that all over me. I want that all, all over me. Every, every Every cell on my body, I want to be an expression of his love. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he doesn't have to put any details there. He goes, we love ourselves. And so that's, who we, that's our created order. We were complete in the love of our God as vessels of love put forth to the, to the presence, the likeness, and the image of his reality. But then we have this guy here trying to get a view of what's going on. And he says he could not on the account of the crowd and he was small in stature. And, and again, go to the aspect, not only the small in the, this size, but the small in personality. And we deal with that all the time. I was just telling my sister, I refuse to believe that that that. The message cannot get into, cannot get into people who have tasted the grace of God. How is it possible? How is it possible that they are far from the love of God? And the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Listen to me. Coming to church and participating and doing the work of God, it needs to be motivated on love and not anything else. And, and, and that, that is the love towards him. But it says, so he ran ahead, verse 4, and he climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him. And he was about to pass by that way. And people posturing themselves to get a good view of Jesus. And when Jesus reached that place, he looked up. No, the other guy was looking down. And Jesus is willing to take the low road that we might come to him. Jesus is willing to say, you know something? Like he told Jacob, Jacob, what, on what terms? Listen to me. Jacob, you deceiver you, you tricky man you. What terms does it take for me to have a relationship with you? 
goes, well, say you were to bless me everywhere I went, okay? And I would be fruitful like crazy. Everything I do, would, okay? And out of every hundred things you give me, I'll give you ten back. Oh, wait, I have to give you a hundred things and you'll give ten back? Okay. Let's, let, let's get into relationship. Let's get into relationship on, even on your terms with respect to having to look up to you. And, and this, this freaks me out because I did the same thing when I came to the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, if you change me, then I'll serve you. Listen to me. I need to serve the Lord even though he don't change me. Who am I to sit there and put terms on God? If this and this and this and this and this, and then I'm going to serve you. No. But Jesus did. And on that occasion, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down for I need to stay at your house today. I need to visit you. I need to spend time with you. I, I don't know. There's not a human being alive that would have entered into that proposition with respect to visiting this guy's house. Your credibility, this is like going into the most crazy person's house. And here Jesus is laying it all on the line. And he says in verse 6, so he hurried and came down and he received and welcomed him joyfully. And when the people saw it, Oh, Jesus, you messed up, man. You're doing hanging out with this guy. What, what are you doing giving this guy any time? This guy deserves to burn in hell, chicharron. This is crisp and crisp. What are you doing? And people started saying, you know something? I, I want to have the Lord's heart and not the people's heart. I, I You know, we, we need to ask God, God, <laughs> one, this turnaround scenario, because I need that mercy as much as Zacchaeus does. And whenever that, that stuff starts playing on us, that we, we've had the full measure and we are, we, we're, we're on the wrong pathway. We're on the wrong pathway when you're looking at other people needing more mercy than you. How many have ever done that? Oh, Lord, touch her heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, just touch her. Touch your heart. Touch your heart so that you could see the reality of his mercy. And so people were complaining. Verse 7, people saw this. They, they started criticizing. They were indignant. He has gone in to be the guest, and he has lived with a man. He's lodging with a man who is devoted to sin, and he is known prominently as a guest with this man who is known all over the place as a sinner. This guy is disgusting pig. Again, in the, in the, in the rescue mode, right? A building has fallen on top of a guy. He, he, he's bleeding. And you're sitting there saying, you've got to cut there, man. No, no, the building has fallen on top of him. You don't have to sit there and judge the aspect of his bleeding because a building has just fallen on his head. And so this is the rescue mode that Jesus is in. He's not there 
telling Zacchaeus he's doing a good job. But the fruit of this, in verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and declared to the Lord, once we have tasted the goodness of the Lord, see, Lord, half of the goods I now give away to the poor. And if I've cheated somebody, I'll restore them four times. There's nothing like love. There is nothing like love that responds with more appreciation. And we cannot. We gotta count the sins. We gotta count the Jesus could have told them everything he stole, could have told them everything he needed to restore. And he wasn't there on that, on that, on that measure. And but you know, the presence of God, something happened in this rescue mode. And, and Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to your house. Since Zacchaeus too is a descendant of Abraham. And then verse 10 is this, this declaration that I want to be in your heart as we move forward in the call of God to change the world. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, you know what it is that keeps us from true salvation, and what keeps us from true salvation is our ability to find somebody who we can speak on real terms. This is, this is it right here. This is, this, this, is the, this is the hindrance to rescue. The hindrance to rescue is that we're not willing to come clean until we know that the person that we need to come clean with is not gonna sit there and push us further into the mud. We were talking about Sunday, about this thing about authenticity, and that talks about being transparent, but there's no way that we can be transparent unless we know we're gonna be loved. I'll say that again. There's no way we're gonna be willing to be transparent unless what's gonna come back is love. And usually when we're transparent, we get further reproach and further rejection, further ashamed. We get further ostracized. And, and this becomes an issue even in the life of somebody like the Samaritan woman who's coming to get water at the 12th hour at the noon of the day. She wasn't there bright and early because all the women come to get water bright and early. She was avoiding that track of women. In Jewish times, if you didn't have a husband, if you failed at having a husband, you were looked upon as a failure in your calling as a woman. And this woman had had five relationships and they all failed and now she's in another relationship and it's not her husband. So, I believe the Lord is taking us to the depth of what somebody can feel like when there is no hope of coming out of that thing. I want to start out with this premise in Hebrews 4.13, that nothing surprises God. Can you get that through your head? Nothing in all of creation is hidden from his eyes. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And 
We might feel better if we strip somebody of some clothing and expose them. But God already knows all that, and God is not interested in exposing. He's interested in salvation. He's interested in covering. And the provisions of his covering are vast and extravagant. We've said this already. And so those who came to him needed to undress in their intellectual attempts to cover themselves. You, you, you heard the story of Paul. He says, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, a Pharisee of the law, a teacher, persecuting. Man, that guy had covering upon covering. And he needed to strip off all that garbage that he might find the covering of God. Because God was seeing him as a proud and, and religious fellow. And then it says here, and he says, 1 Corinthians 5.8, he says, therefore, we don't celebrate Christianity covering ourselves with religiosity. We don't keep the fe- feast uh, not without old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I want to tell you that Christianity never, listen to me, never works when you are posing Never, there's no rescue for a poser. I'm okay, God. Go on to the next fellow. They need you more. And, and you have no grace in your life. And there's no salvation coming and there's no goodness and there's not an admission of need. So he says, we're not celebrating this with pretense and appearance, but sincerity and truth. In 2 Corinthians 1.12, he says, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, um, and especially in our relationship with you, with holiness and sincerity that is the work of God. God is the one that's doing this work, not with fleshly wisdom, but it's through the grace of God that we have been able to walk out this salvation and be able to participate. And I want to tell you that there was a gentleman who, he was doing a science project for his school. And in that science project, he decided to tell people to send him in the mail a postcard with one secret they had never told anybody. And he was only going to do it for that semester. But 80,000 people decided to write and they began to share their secrets that they had never told anybody. And I'm wondering if this is the very thing that is keeping us from going forward in our call for God. And I, this, this is the, the matter that until there is not that salvation of love, that until there is not that embrace of the Lord of he knows all you're not, and all you're never going to be, and come to him as you are, that you never, never can taste and receive what you're supposed to share with other people. And so I think it's phenomenal that in a conversation with Christ, he never did anything other than to show her that, that there was an absolute acceptance of God that the work of God, she, he says, if you knew what my father was after, if you knew what the, the, it's not all the religious stuff that you know. 
It's all, not all the religious. The first thing she knew, what was the first thing she'd do? You're not supposed to talk to me. She knew the religious tradition. I'm wondering if we, we practice that more, and that is more what is seen in our reality than, than authenticity. Um, we just went to Switzerland, and Coach Larry Harvey was one of the conference speakers that was invited with us to go up there. And we spent uh, three days in Switzerland. And Pastor ha- uh, Larry Harvey had gotten there two days before me. And so he was telling Desmond, look, I've known Joaquin for five years. I don't understand this guy. This guy does not like me, and I can't get him. And so they're having that conversation, right? And so Desmond says, look, I'm just going to tell you one thing. This is the only thing I, I've known Joaquin for five years. He's been coming here. I want him to keep on coming here. But you got to know one thing about Joaquin. He hates people that are not real. Amen. This is Desmond. And so Coach Harvey is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You don't be holding up a front. It's not, he's not expecting anybody to be perfect. He's not expecting anybody to do the impossible. But he hates people who deceive and do things behind backs. And, and this, is, this, is, this is, remember, this is not me. I don't hate anybody. I love everybody. Now, it does bother me to see people that cannot be transparent. I, I have sat down at the table with people. I said, come here. Tell me what's going on so I can tell you what's going on. And whatever it is, it's, that's what it is. But I can't stand being at a table and people says nothing's going on. And then behind the scenes, man, there's Niagara Falls going on. All hell is breaking loose and there's an inability to come to transparency. And I believe the Lord is like that. I believe that's the spirit of the Lord. I believe the Lord says, come, let us reason together. If your sins were red as scarlet, they'll be made white as snow. But don't be pretending. Don't be double-minded. Don't be eating the, the leavened bread of insincerity and lies and deception. So that, that is the heart of God in this affair. Listen to what Paul says once he, he says 2 Corinthians Verse uh, 2 Corinthians 1.18. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. Paul is saying, listen to me. When we say something, we mean what we say. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not flipping and sliding and slipping and sliding. We're not. Our ministry is laid bare before you, and it is what it is. It hasn't been on shaking ground. It's not one way one day and the next the next day. It's, it's, this is it. And so he's talking about that ministry being one of yes, yes, and, not, and no, no. Not yes and no. Mixing it up. Why? Matthew 5.37, we've said this many times. Because let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because anything else that you guys are participating on comes straight from the evil one. Straight from the pit of hell. And so there cannot, listen to me. You guys know that relationship is all about speaking the truth in love. And my Bible says, if we walk in the truth, 1 John, chapter, uh, 1 John 1, 7, 
If we walk in the truth as, oh, no, in the light, sorry. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we can have a connection. Then we can have fellowship. Then the blood of Jesus is there, so whatever's wrong, it gets washed up and cleansed. We're not, nobody's saying perfection. No one's saying there's no, uh, there's, there's no fault or, or admission of, of you know, whatever the sin might be, the failure. The blood of Jesus is there for that, and it cleanses us from every sin. But there's no fellowship where people refuse to walk in the light. There is no fellowship with people who lie, who say one thing and mean another. There's no fellowship. What fellowship does light have with darkness? None. And so we need to come clean. The Lord is willing to come clean with us. He loves us immensely. He says, even while we were yet sinners, he loved for us. He loved us and gave his son to die for us. You're not, you're not playing with God. God knows our condition and loves us anyways. He loves us anyways. He loves us anyways. We're the ones that have come up with the issues of, yeah, but you know, he's a little lazy. He's a little bit late. He's a little bit, uh, hey, listen to me. He loves us way before anything. So now we're way ahead of the ball game, and we can be transparent. And Paul describes this, and, and that's where he says 2 Corinthians and he goes on to a long discourse, and I'm not going to be long in my discourse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, he says, Rather, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. We don't walk trying to be tricky, crafty, handling the word of God deceitfully, playing with stuff, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, because God is doing a work. Hey, anything you see in my life, God's, he's addressing. And I, I'm open for him to address. And so this, we're not hung up on the fact that we're doing anything. We're not, we've renounced to hiding in shame and walking in trick. I got I to gotta get there early so they don't think that. Listen to me. Get here early because that's your character. Not because some people think something. Get here because you're not late anywhere. You're, you're, you're on time to work. You're on time to your appointments, to your clients. Don't, don't be playing tricky. You're not deceiving anybody but yourself. Verse 3, he says, um, we've renounced these hidden things, but even if people can't see this gospel, it is veiled to those that are perishing. What we're doing, we're doing transparently. Listen to me. A lot of people think that we're being tricky because we're going to church. These people think they're going to be tricky and get into heaven. Listen to me. We have acknowledged that it's only the grace of God that loves us and cleanses us and perfects us and brings us up into our inheritance. We're not, we're not playing games. Uh, verse 4, he continues on to say, Whose mind, the people in this world, their mind, God of this age, has blinded. They don't believe. The light of the gospel has not shown who is the image of God. Should shine on them. Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves. We're, nobody in one second is preaching our ability or our excellence or our, but Jesus Christ, the Lord, and ourselves, we're just slaves. We're serving him because of what he's doing. Verse 6. Verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts 
to give light and knowledge of the glory of God, the face of Jesus. He goes on through the, the whole, you guys read it, chapter 4 and verse and chapter 5, and you'll go through that whole thing. with this, this, this treasure is in earthen vessels. We're not trying to impress anybody with who we are. He is the one. So in this pursuit of rescue, we know that he has come and saved us. This needs to be our message, the love of God. They will know that you are mine because you love one another. And so this, this, this transparency, I want to tell you that, that we're in an age where everybody tries to be deceptive. There was a woman that just, uh, uh, she's a pastor's wife, um, and she, her husband was so into his preaching and his ministry that she was, um, she was shopping at Kohl's. How many know Kohl's, the, the, the department store? She's, she's, a, she's a pastor's wife, and without her husband knowing anything and without her congregation knowing anything, her name is Trudy Smith, and she's from Michigan. And she avoided going to church for two years because she sinned a lookalike to go to church for her. So her husband didn't even know that she wasn't going to any of the services. For two years, she saw some lady in, at Kohl's, the grocery store, and she says, hey, hey, come here. I want you to do me a favor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you $100 a week, and you're going to go into my husband's church. She says she played the role successfully, greeting people and hugging her husband, uh, listening to the sermon, taking notes of the sermons, and she was found out when the husband invited her up to the altar to sing a song they used to sing early in their ministry. She says, I knew the kids' names, their anniversary and birthdays and everything. I didn't know the song. The fake Trudy who asked not to be identified, she made roughly $10,000 over two years. And she says it was worth every penny. Uh, oh, no. The real Trudy says it was worth every penny who's back in the front row. This, this just goes to show you how fake, how we, we don't even know who we're saying hi to. I just talked to a young girl this week and she says, I married a husband and I was married six months into the marriage with a, I was pregnant and he had five passports. And I asked him, will the real you please stand up? Could you tell me who our son's going to be? Because you, you're just a fake. And so I think what takes a lot of these people to pretend who they're not is that aspect of they haven't been rescued by love yet. They haven't come full circle. And as Jesus is addressing this woman, he's able to transfer to her a feeling of that this is very important what I'm going to share with you right now. When does she have her breakthrough? Does anybody know? When, when does this woman, the Samaritan woman, have her breakthrough? When you have, when, when, when Jesus tells her, you have spoken truly in saying, I have no husband. For you had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your husband. In this, you have spoken truly. Listen to me. In this, you've pulled down the mask. In this, you have stopped playing games. In this, you really want to get serious with me. 
You have told me what is going on. And the woman responds, Sir, I see. Her eyes are open for the first time. I understand now that, listen to me, it doesn't matter what I do, you love me. It doesn't matter what I've done, you love me. It doesn't matter what my social status is, my religious affiliation is, you love me. You, th this is called naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. And you know what's covering her? Could somebody tell me, please? Love. You know what's going to cover you? Love. You know what we're just supposed to do with others? Cover them in love. And rescue them. She gets religious on him. She says, for our fathers worshipped in this mountain. I see that you're a prophet. What do you say? Should we worship here or worship there? And she says, woman, if you understood the heart of God, he's not into religiosity. He's not into religiosity. For Samaritans do not know what you are worshiping. Verse 22. You worship what you do not know and we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. We know the perspective. We know the right. But the time will come and is already here that those who worship God will have to come with a, a real sincere spirit of truth. The reality. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. That's what God's looking for. This has huge results. She tries to get into saying, when is this guy going to show up? Can you tell me when this becomes a reality on this earth? When is the Messiah coming? The one who's called the Christ. Yeah, and I know when he shows up, all things will be taken care of. It will be made clear to us. And Jesus said to her, I who now speak with you and am him. And just then the disciples came back and they wandered to find him talking with a woman. And how none of them... Dared asked him, what are you talking to her about? What is it that you're speaking to her about? And the, the, the woman left her jar and went away to town. And she began to tell people. Look what she began to say. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man that I've been able to just put it all on the table and there was not any negative result from being transparent with him. Woman left, come and see this man. And it says, so the people left the town and set out to go. What do you think they were coming to see? Anybody? A place to be naked and unashamed. A place to be covered by love a place to be embraced, a place to, to you know, I mean, I, this is Christ's presence. For We see here that his disciples were 
were stuck on having food. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, saying, eat something. And he says, I'm, I'm nourishing from something. You have no idea what it is right now. And they were trying to figure out if it was something earthly. And Jesus said, my, father, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I'm, I'm, I'm involved. You guys always say that at the harvest is the time. Look, I tell you, raise up your eyes. It's the time to be able to get people to participate and to come to this covering. Observe the fields and see they are ready, white for harvesting. Already the reaper is getting his wages. God is beginning to reward those, for he's gathering fruit unto eternal life. So that he who does the planting and he who does the reaping may rejoice together. For in this the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap a crop for which you have not toiled. Other men have labored, and you have stepped in to reap the results of this work. Now numerous Samaritans from the town believed and trusted in him because of what the woman said. Some people, you know, the, the motivation for people to be one over the Lord is when I tell them of my experience of joy, peace, acceptance, embrace, when you guys know how the pastor walks around naked and unashamed. The real, real, authentic reality of being saved by his love. By his grace. I don't have to compete. I don't have to perform. I'm, I'm convinced that if it were not for his grace, I wouldn't be able to take a step in his direction. I'm mesmerized. I, when I went up to Moody Bible Conference with the Jose Palma, I asked the Lord, Lord, why is it that I'm so intense in my pursuit of, of bringing pleasure to the heart of God? And you know what the answer was? He who is forgiven much loves much. I'm still overwhelmed by the fact that he took my nakedness, my ashamedness, my rebellion, my disobedience, and, and not just on a one-time scenario. It's been 30 years. The reality of Christ's goodness in my life. And so that's what they were coming they, they came because of what they heard her say. And you know, if she's going around testifying that she was stripped down to the bare naked and loved, she told them everything on the table and loved. Then there's no reason they don't come. And it says, um, they believed and trusted in Christ because of what the woman said. And she declared and testified, he told me everything, everything that I ever did. And so there it was that they respond and ask him. When the Samaritans arrived, they arrived. They, they asked him, hey, could you be with us two more days? <laughs> we got a long time to talk with you. We need to bear it all so that the devil doesn't have anything on us. We, we are coming clean, and we need you to stay here two more days. And then the Bible says in verse 41, Then many more believed in him and adhered to and relied on him because of his personal message, what he said of himself. And then it says, verse 42, The woman told, now, they told the woman, Now, this is not your experience this is our experience. We don't know and we don't believe because of what you've told us. We believe now for we ourselves have heard him and we know 
that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And then after these two days, Jesus went to Galilee and, uh, and he continued on with his ministry. I, I want to encourage you tonight. I think what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, because Sunday was a powerful message, it's sad that the people that you know, were there on Sunday aren't here tonight. Um, but this is like that message that brings it full circle. How many say amen? amen. That our authenticity comes from his love. Let's stand tonight and, and, and really uh, usher that into our hearts, into our families, into our spirit. Uh, you guys know from the time we're young and we made mistakes, what's the first thing our teacher told us? Shame on you. And our, our parents, shame on you. And so that's when we started, you know something? Covering up that shame and that nakedness. And now we have become like that lady. We're coming to church for the last two years and nobody knows who we really are. You guys are freaking out at that lady. I'm freaking out about you. Because I want the real you to show up. And I want you to know you're loved. You're naked and unashamed. And that this is the message that we have. And, and it's not religion. It's not come to my church because everybody there is perfect. Come to my church because we know everything about us and we still love us. And we rejoice and we know why we rejoice. And you know what the devil wants to do, right? He wants the whole different matter. He wants us to be religious. He wants us to have theology, philosophy, covering up. We're, we're, the, you know, we're, we're putting on a front and nobody knows who we are, not even our own family. So as we sing this song, I leave you in the presence of God, and I just trust that you will now tell the Lord, Lord, make me authentic, and I want to be naked and unashamed. I want to be assured. I want to be affirmed. I want to be embraced by your love. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say this well is too deep, and I'm, my life is too complex, and you can't do anything with it. That's, 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 that's garbage. That's what the devil would say. Um, he's prepared to have you drink and your thirst quenched and a gift. He says, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask and he would give you. It's on a grace giftedness basis. And, uh, but I, I can tell you it needs to be authentic and real. It needs to be authentic and real.